Morning Liberty. Well, hello there, friends. This is the Good Morning Liberty podcast. My name is Nate. Hey, everybody. And that is... Charlie. <laughs> Charlie, hey, what's up, man? Uh, we are we co-host this program together every single day, so thanks for stopping by. Hit subscribe. There's a button somewhere near you. You can Hit probably... the subscribe button. You can probably reach that button with your thumb right now. And if you can't reach it with your thumb... I thought you should know, if you have a big iPhone, you can actually uh, double tap on your home button if you still have a home button, Neanderthal. If you still have a home (laughs) button, you can double tap, not press, but tap on it, and it'll bring the screen down. So then you can reach the subscribe button. And if you have one of the iPhone 10s, then you can just swipe down across your home button area, and it'll bring the screen down where your thumb can reach it. Yeah. So... I, I I just thought that that was important <laughs> for you to know. <laughs> yeah, in case you need iPhone instructions, we do all kinds of things here at Good Morning Liberty. We talk life, we talk about life, liberty, and the pursuit of meaning, and uh, iPhone instructions. That, so those are the two main areas, actually. <laughs> yeah. Well, today we're going to talk about Bernie Sanders' Green New Deal. He literally ripped off AOC's name for her big policy proposal. That's right. Now, careful, don't go too far into that's, this that's because all. that's. <laughs> Just mention what we're going to talk about. We're going to talk about that. And then we're also going to talk about the death penalty. Yes. The death penalty. A little bit of death news recently. So we had, there's this story that Charlie found earlier out of Texas. Yeah, I'd seen a couple things this this whole last week about Texas going to execute a, a guy. And I had seen some reports come out and it's all, all over the news. And uh, his name is Larry Swearingen. And he was convicted of murdering a 19-year-old girl um, in 1998. He was convicted in 2000 and sentenced to death. And so here we are 19, 19 years later where there's been five execution dates and five stays, and then he was executed um, yesterday. So the problem with this case is, and, and here's what I want to kind of discuss, is at what point does the government have the authority to to actually um, execute someone. And I know this is tough. There's a great group. We've talked about it before. Uh, Hannah Cox is a national manager. Uh, maybe we, we could probably tag her in this post and she could, we should. She could elaborate yeah. on it. She's been on the podcast before, um, does great work. And they have there's an organization called Conservatives Concerned About the Death Penalty. And there's a lot of conservatives, or, or I would say Republicans, really, that are still behind the death penalty. And I get the emotional reaction. Like I get that because I have a son now and there's like a, I'm not saying that you don't know what love is Nate, but what I'm saying is (laughs) there's just a different kind of love when you have a, like a kid of your own. And it's like something that's indescribable. You like, you almost have to have a kid to, to know it, but it's just like this something inside of you. And if anyone were to ever harm my son, or really anybody that I really cared about, my first emotional reaction would be to to hunt that person down. Yeah, you know, blood for blood. Are you talking I'm like like, a, like vigilante justice here? Yes. Yeah, I'm talking like mow them down. Yeah, whatever I, means necessary. I've wanted to do this with every single person that's robbed me. Actually, yeah, not the death penalty per se, but but they, if it happened, you'd be all right with it. That's you know. 
through the course of events, you know, sometimes maybe if you were to teach someone a lesson, no, that I would not want to kill someone for robbing me, but I, I really did want to install some, uh, instill some vigilante justice in uh, all six of the people that have robbed me, for sure. Now, if you were there in the act of it happening, you can defend yourself or somebody that you love. True. I've actually never been there. It's always been uh, a vehicle or something uh, mm-hmm. when I was when I was away from it. So I was actually never there. If I were to actually get, you know, someone came up to rob me, I would probably cower down on the ground like a little. So, uh, you know, I can't really say what exactly I would do. But it you probably, know, it wouldn't be near what I have in my mind. I know that for sure. Like prison is a huge deterrent for me. I would say that. Um, but, you know, I've thought about, and I don't know, maybe I'm just daydreaming about being brave, but I've thought about like if something did happen to Parker that like I would be okay going to prison for to to mm. to take justice into my own hands. I'm not saying that's the right thing to do here. What I'm saying is is how much the discussion needs to revolve around what kind of power do we give government to decide whether some someone should live or die. Yeah, and I think this revolves for 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 libertarians, it revolves a, a lot around a couple things. One, you you own your body, and the the state does not does not own your body. So you have to first be in in that argument, which a lot of people agree with. But then, second, you know, we all know that the government messes things up all the time. They make mistakes all the time. And I think it was was it Benjamin Franklin that said that it would better better that a thousand guilty men were freed and one hundred or whatever it is. Yes. Um, so uh, we know that the government makes mistakes. We talk about them every single day. And so you have to assume that that applies to all facets of the government, which it, which it does. A lot of people have been found 20 years later that actually DNA evidence proved that they didn't do it. And that person was, was in prison for life or was going to get the death penalty. So they do make well, basic, mistakes. Well, and basically what we know, there's like 10%, I think it's 10%, one out of every 10 executions that have taken place. Those people have since um, post, what do they call that when you get, when you, when you've already died and like you get an award, it's a post Oh, uh, uh, man, uh, posthumous? <laughs> yes, yeah. <laughs> Whatever that whatever. is. Yeah, one of those. But anyway, they're like post-exonerated. Or even when you get exonerated after yeah. after you die, there's, well, I saw, a, I watched there's the a term thing, for that. I watched a thing on Netflix, too, uh, which I don't know if you've seen this, but it was the Confession Tapes. And it's a pretty good show. Mm-hmm. And they... they oh, God, that show makes me angry. Yeah, yeah. So they go through how a lot of these people were pressured into uh, confessing. It's the confession tapes. And then in one of them, they also showed how a uh, investigator, the lead uh, crime scene investigator, actually planted evidence. He actually went to prison for two years because they couldn't find any evidence on this person. And they actually went back and put blood in the vehicle so they could go back and swab it and say that they found the blood in the guy's vehicle. And then it wasn't until later they found the actual people who did it, and there was the that person's DNA all over that vehicle. And so the guy who said he found the blood, he ended up going to prison for a couple of years, the investigator. So, Only a couple of years. Yeah, yeah. I mean, the guy was yeah in a, going to go to prison for life or was going to be executed, and he got a couple of years for falsely imprisoning another person. Yeah. Um, <laughs> it's got to be stiffer than that. Yeah, so – we know they make mistakes, and we know that government is corrupt. And so that's my argument against the death penalty is that if there are mistakes where some of these people are in fact innocent or a corrupt government has 
found some kind of way to convict someone so they can get a conviction uh, on to tally down in their paperwork, then we can't allow them to take the life of other people. Uh, that's that's just where I come down on it because that means that they will be taking the life of innocent people at some point in time. Yeah, and and the problem we have here is that there's you know prosecutors really aren't held to any type of moral standard. It's more about wins and losses, and I'm, and I'm all for being competitive. But when you're talking about someone's life at hand, Mike, you know, how do you sleep at night is is one of the questions I have. And the other thing is, what's the ramifications of of you know prosecuting someone who ends up being innocent? There is none, actually. And so, and I and I get, I don't know, we just have a screwed up justice system. This, this is one thing that bothers me because, and here's why it bothers me. What if it happened to you? Yeah. A lot of people are like, oh, well, they got what they deserved. They got what coming, what, what was coming to them. What if you ended up in at the wrong place in the wrong time and then all of a sudden you were going through this? Have you ever thought about that? Like, have you ever thought, like, like if you watched Making a Murderer, and I don't know if Stephen Avery did it or not, I, there's all kinds of theories, and I'm waiting for the next one to come out. I think his lawyer is still working on stuff. But if you ever watch it and you just see how the the sheriff's department and all the people violated all kinds of rules and did all kinds of things. And it's like, imagine if just put yourself in that guy's shoes for a second. You know, first he was falsely convicted of raping someone and spent 18 years in prison to begin with. And then all of a sudden this girl ends up ends up murdered. And he's, you know, if it, it just makes my blood boil, the the ways that the government officials uh, broke rules and manipulated things without getting into trouble. And this guy still got convicted. And so my thing is there has to be some type of standard that we have to hold. Uh, I, honestly, a higher standard, I would say for people, those with in power that they have to be held to, uh, to get convictions. And as you said, Ben Franklin, it's better for a hundred guilty men to go free than one, than for one innocent person to, to die. And, so what's the, what's the, I don't know, what's the solution here? I want to read from this article a little bit so you kind of understand what's happened recently. Uh, but Larry Swearingen, this is coming from the Washington Post, who claimed to his dying breath that he did not commit the murder of 19-year-old Melissa Trotter in 1998, was executed by lethal injection Wednesday night. Uh, he was 48, and he was arrested three days after her body disappeared after Trotter disappeared and he was arrested on uh, unpaid parking tickets and he was in jail for 22 days for that. Uh, and her body that was in December of 1998, her body was later found in January of 1999. His lawyers argued for nearly two decades that the scientific evidence in the case, um, exonerated him. And I'll skip through this a little bit. Uh, you said she was uh, strangled with some pantyhose or something like that, wasn't it? So so what happened was is that a couple things that make me mad about this case is that when they they had arrested him and put him in jail for parking tickets, and then he was the only suspect, uh, from what I gather after reading a few articles, he was the only suspect in this murder case, uh, well, in the disappearance of her first. Uh, they were dating. Uh, several uh, witnesses say they were dating. Um, what happened was, is they executed two search warrants on his trailer and they never found anything. 
Um, they did find hair in his truck, but they were dating, so that like explained why her hair was in his truck. Um, I can tell you, like, um, my girlfriend's hair is everywhere, like yeah. <laughs> everywhere. Yeah, they shed. Yeah, they do. I'm sure we do too, but you just can't tell as much. Now she left any pantyhose? No. Okay. <laughs> no. <laughs> <clears throat> All right, that's the real question. <laughs> but so there was, I, I guess it was a. Uh, Two-legged pantyhose, I guess, because what happened was is that they executed two search warrants, didn't really find anything. Her body was later discovered um, almost 30 days later, 25 days later, I believe, and she had been strangled to death with uh, a pantyhose. And then they executed a third search warrant on this guy's trailer, on, on Swearingen's trailer, and somehow they found the other pantyhose. Okay. And they did a... Uh, they had one of the uh, technicians at the crime lab do a comparison, and she said unequivocally that the pantyhose was an exact match, uh, so much so that it couldn't be compared to any others. Hmm. Something like <clears throat> something that I don't know the exact words here. Um, it's later come out now that uh, three different uh, lab technicians have said after examining the pantyhose again that it's not even a match. And that they feel like it came possibly came from the same line, but it doesn't even look like it was bought in the same package. Yeah. And there's no way that that lab technician should have been able to testify that it was an exact match and so much so that it can't be compared to others. She shouldn't have been allowed to say that. It would be tough to prove, I mean, the exact match. I mean, is that under the assumption that that company only made one pair of pantyhose? Well, what they can do in uh, forensic science, they can compare fibers and different even things that are mass produced they can tell when things are right next to each other or whatever they compare the fibers gotcha. and stuff because there's imperfections and so there's experts in this field and i don't know forensic science well enough to know but what basically what they did is they, they got this guy on some circumstantial evidence and some over um what would you say like some exaggerated testimony that convicted this guy and i don't know if he did it or not i don't know i mean he said literally his last words were Lord forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. Hmm. Um, and that's in the article hmm. here. He, he died at 7:47 PM Eastern time. Um, and so they don't know. I like, again, I don't know if this guy did it or not. I mean, if he did it, he probably deserves to be in prison still. Um, but the, the problem with this is, is that the government, the burden of proof is on the state to prove whether you're guilty or innocent. Now, this guy had a trial. The jury did find him guilty. Uh, but the coming out after in the last two decades that they've been investigating the forensic evidence, they also um, found out there have been nine medical examiners since that uh, have said that the decomposition of her body uh, wasn't at a level of where it should have been had she been because the, from the time that she had been missing. So she was missing for 25 days until her body was discovered. And it, within 25 days, they, they are saying that her body should have been decomposed further than what it was. And so they didn't think they're saying that they nine different medical experts are saying that they think her body was only in the woods for five to 14 days. That's a big time frame. But keep in mind, her body was missing for 25 days. And he was in jail. And he was. Yes. <clears throat> Three days after she was reported missing, he was already in jail. So there's no way that she was, that it was 22 days 
They're saying yeah. that it's impossible <clears throat> that it was 22 days because at least her organs would have already started decomposing because they, de- they decompose really quickly. And, of course, there's temperature factors and all kinds of things. I think it was like 30 at night and it was 70 during the day. Um, and there's all kinds of those different factors. But even nine different medical experts are saying that there's no way that her body would have upheld as much as it did because she was in open air in the woods. She wasn't, you know, sealed up or anything like that. And so he, his alibi was, well, I was already in um, I was already in jail for unpaid parking tickets. How it's it's, it's, it's impossible for this timeline to make sense. And it just makes me, it, it makes me cringe, honestly, to think that this could happen to me or somebody that I, somebody that I care about or that I love, um, to date somebody that ends up getting murdered. And then all of a sudden you're investigated and they try to put pin things against you because they have to have a victory. The prosecution has to have a victory and you're almost left to proving your innocence versus them proving your guilt. Yeah. And you see a lot of these things happen. Like you mentioned the confessions tape and making a murderer in this case. And at the end of the day, he did get a guilty verdict. But the problem is, is when you have this type of, uh, in my estimation, they at least have evidence to where the, the state didn't do a good enough job proving beyond a reasonable doubt. And if that's the case, there's no way that this guy should have ever been executed because it's possible. If there's a chance that somebody's innocent, there's no way we should ever execute them ever. Yeah. If there's a chance. Yeah. Uh, so now, what do you think? Here, here's a thought. What if you see somebody like kill somebody and you have like video proof? That's what I talked to my, <laughs> my wife and I go back and forth on this it, really funny thing. By the way, I talked, I was talking the other day about doing one of those 23andMe tests, and she was like, are you kidding me? She's like, you want them to have your DNA? Like, the, if, if you think the government's not going to assume control over that business at some point in time where they could put people's DNA wherever they want it at any they time? They probably have access to the database <clears throat> anyway. Well, if it's because the DNA records are saved on a computer database, it's not like they have the DNA in a, you know, some kind of... Nobody's writing file down somewhere. On a notebook. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's in a computer database. So all you would need to do is steal whatever the numbers say DNA and take them and put them into whatever the test is that you're testing for someone for some kind of crime. So she was like, I'm not putting my DNA out there for someone to steal and, and put wherever they want it. Now, first off, it probably means that she might have killed someone at some point in time. She's worried about it. Well, yeah, that, I mean, that's the <clears> thing. That's the yeah, obvious thing. Yeah, if you've got nothing to hide, you know, yeah, that but whole premise. I haven't been able to prove her guilt yet. But <laughs> the, So she um, she brings up on the death penalty. Well, she if, listens to the show, and that's yeah, obviously it's sarcastic. A joke. It's a joke. joke. <laughs> yeah. um, I can hear her going, nay. <laughs> well, what if you have a video of someone killing someone? Or what if you have a signed confession of them killing someone? Or, or something like that. You just got done talking about <clears throat> confession tapes, though. So the issue on the confession, I will say, is most of the time, the f- with with my under- it's my understanding that the false confessions would be to get some kind of a reduced sentence away from the death penalty. So I don't know if you would get a false confession for a death penalty kind of verdict that I, I feel like if they're going to entire if you're going to falsely confess to doing something it's because they said if you don't do this then we're going to pursue the death penalty but if you confess then we're going to give you uh you know life or we're going to give you life with parole or, or whatever I can see it is. that so i don't know if there would be a lot of false confessions 
for a death penalty. Uh, I think the false ones are uh, most, I, I would say that they're away from that. But then a video, I'll always say, she's like, what if you have a video? And I'm like, well, I got a video from 1997 of aliens attacking the earth and, and destroying the place. You know, you ever seen Independence Day? I mean, come on, that's, it happened. <laughs> so like a video, what I my sarcastic response to that is, you can make a video that shows anything. I've got tons of video videos um, on little DVDs at my house that show people, all kinds of people killing people. So it's, you know, that movies exist, uh, films exist, videos can be made to show whatever you want them to show. So it's even like a video evidence is not quite enough. And then we have, have you seen these deep fake videos going around? Uh-uh. You got to watch some of these deep fake videos. They're, the the um, technology is out there where you can now, you can take someone's face and apply it to anyone's face, or you can take someone's face and show them saying anything, basically. So you can actually you can actually use these deep fake videos, and there's all kinds of YouTube videos out there where I thought someone was actually doing an impression of someone, and what was actually happening was they were just taking that person's face and putting it on there. So as far as video evidence goes, I don't really know that that's enough, although it is it is quite a bit. Well, you bring up, I mean, that's a good point there. So I guess like Photoshop exists too. Photos aren't enough. I don't know. Like what if you have to have 10 people witness it or something? I don't really know because then even witnesses can make something up. There's a whole scientific aura about all of that. Yeah. So, so all of these things combined, it's, it's why I would have the opinion that I have and some of why you have the opinion you have on the death penalty where I understand I understand like if you killed someone if you if you legitimately did and you're guilty of that then you you probably deserve what's coming to you but the problem is you can't apply that to everyone you don't know for sure that everyone that gets executed is guilty in fact and the government makes mistakes all the time we're going to talk about all kinds of government mistakes on the rest of the show so um when you're talking about the ability to actually take a life from someone who might be innocent, I, I just, I don't think I can get behind it. I just don't think I can. It's not that I don't believe in justice. It's that is government the best means for this? And I think they've proven time and time again, they're not. And that you have people who are willing to manipulate facts and, there's a lot of good cops out there. There's good forensic scientist people. I think most, most of them are trying them. to do the right thing. Yeah. So I'm not trying to bash on anybody here. But what I can tell you is we've seen enough evidence now coming out that the death penalty just should no longer exist because the potential for the government to make a mistake is way too high. And if an innocent person is murdered, we're depriving them of their their life and also I believe in, here's the other part of me, you know, I feel like I would go after somebody who harmed somebody I loved. I definitely believe that I would because I'm a very passionate person. And the other part of me kind of believes in second chances. So I don't know what to do, like what to do there. Um, especially as Christians, you know, people that claim to be Christians, but believe in the death penalty. And I'm not saying that justice shouldn't be served, but in fact, they even talk about, and we can have Hannah on sometime again to go deep into this, but they talk about death row is actually way more expensive than life in prison. 
Yeah. So even even just a economic, like an economical reason. And that I've always wondered why they take so long to do it. And I guess when I think about it, that is a good thing, is it gives you time to appeal and time to get out of it. But why do we? We're you know they're having an issue right now finding ways to actually execute the death penalty, for lack of better words, uh, because they can't get drug companies to pitch in the medicine that it takes to do lethal injections. Because none of the drug companies want to be associated with these chemicals that literally kill people. So uh, they're having a hard time. There's a shortage of these lethal injection chemicals, uh, medications, and they're extremely expensive. But by the time they actually do get it, I think maybe we should set a cap on lethal injection medications. Oh, yeah, actually. yeah. That's, that's what we should do. Um, we'll, we'll put that. We'll put a pin in that. Um, so then they're starting to bring back the electric chair, which I think they actually have had some executions by electric chair in Tennessee recently. Um, I don't know why we worry about that process so much. Like if you actually are, uh, executing someone, why you wouldn't just use a gun. I mean, it's quick and painless and I don't really understand. It's, it's very cheap. Bullets are very, very cheap. So I don't know why we have to go about it the most expensive means possible, but that tends to be what the government does for everything. So I guess it makes sense. So I... I don't know what the solution is for this. I would push to uh, stay away from the death penalty as much as possible because I don't trust the government to do anything, and that includes uh, includes proving people's guilt. Uh, even though they do it, I think it might as well be life in prison instead of taking their life because they might be wrong. So that's all I have on that. Do you have anything else on death penalty? Yeah, I think that's it. Um, if you want to look up this case, and uh, I'm sure somebody on some crime podcast has talked about it. There's a bunch of great crime podcasts out there. If you like uh, any type of murder mystery stuff, I think a lot of people do. We'll put a link to the case in our show notes. Yeah. Yeah. Um, other thing we had today, Bernie Sanders. Bernie Sanders. Speaking of, of death. Oh, man. Death and destruction. <laughs> this is the, these two go hand in hand. Um, it's just a slower execution. So he has put out his version of the new, the Green New Deal, the GND. So he's put out his Green New Deal, where basically we're going to overhaul our entire energy industry into a nice, uh, apparently affordable, clean energy. So he, I did a video on the website on our Facebook earlier. Um, I actually went through this line by line and went through all of the policy proposals mm -hmm. in this. I was going to read a little bit of this to you, Charlie, and just see what your thoughts were on it. I, he's got a very, very long, a lot of words for his policy on here. Um, and a lot of them are really just repeated. He states all of them and then he states all of them again. But did you know that he's going to end unemployment with his Green New Deal? Hmm. Isn't that nice of him? Like worldwide or... Uh, I guess just in the U.S., but the apparently US? all that was needed to end unemployment was higher taxes, more government spending. Yeah, so we should have done that the whole time. Then. He's going to create 20 million new high-paying jobs with this. The plan, by the way, is going to cost $16.3 trillion, and I believe that is a 10-year figure because that is how we talk, and there is no freaking way that this is only going to cost $16.3 trillion, but... We will uh, we will go over that. So he's got. Be, well, before you dive into the nitty gritty of this, if you go look at BernieSanders.com, 
and look at his Green New Deal proposal. It's just so funny, the first sentence here, because they they do a couple of marketing tactics here, uh, really good marketing tactics. And the first thing is they, they describe a crisis, um, and then they say what we're going to do to solve that problem, and then they're, they're going to create uh, scarcity on it. Yeah. Like yeah. you... You have to act now. Did they pinpoint the villain in the story? Yeah. <clears throat> um, so, so he's the the first opening line. I guess you would say the one liner of this Green New Deal. He says, "The climate crisis is not only the single greatest challenge facing our country; it is also our single greatest opportunity to build a more just and equitable future. But we must act immediately. You must act now." Act Act call now. in the next 30 minutes and he can get you a two for one deal on this. I'm pretty sure. So we'll get two green new deals for the price of one <laughs> all for $16.3 trillion. Ah, it's going to be a hundred trillion dollar value only for $16.3 trillion. <laughs> Here we go. If you act within the next five minutes, you uh, can, well, what's it going to be? You'll have uh, a billion easy payments. Uh, $1 million each. <laughs> yep. That's all you got to do. 16 billion payments of $1,000 per piece per, per time per piece. Yes. So that's all you're going to do. Yep. Reaching 100% renewable energy for electricity and transportation by no later than 2030. This is going to happen in 10 years, by the way, 100% renewable energy. And the things in this plan that we're going to accomplish in the next 10 years are, uh, insane. We'll just say they're insane. Um, ending unemployment by creating 20 million new jobs needed to solve the climate crisis. The jobs will be good paying union jobs with strong benefits and safety standards. So that's going to be good. He's going to directly invest a historic $16.3 trillion in public investment towards these efforts in line with the mobilization of resources made during the New Deal in World War II, but with an explicit choice to include black, indigenous, and other minority communities who were systematically excluded in the past. So um, a just transition for workers. The plan is going to prioritize the fossil fuel workers who have powered our economy for more than a century. Uh, we will provide five years of wage guarantees, housing assistance, job training, health care, pension support, and priority job placement for any displaced worker as a result of this policy. So they're going to give you five years of wage guarantees. What do you think happens at the end of the five years if, well, you haven't, if we haven't recovered from that time? Well... I guess it doesn't matter because you only need five years. I guess five years is enough. They're going to declare climate change a national emergency, which basically means they will be able to do anything they want at that point in time. And that's what happens when you declare a national emergency. You even bring in the National Guard at that gives, point in time. Yeah, it gives things. the government yeah. extra power. <laughs> yeah. Um, they're going to save American families money by weatherizing homes and lowering energy bills building affordable and high-quality modern public transportation, providing grants and trade-in programs for families and small businesses to purchase high-efficiency electric vehicles. And they're going to rebuild our inefficient and crumbling infrastructure, including deploying universal, affordable, high-speed internet to everyone. They're going to rebuild the entire infrastructure. They're going to make sure that everyone leave is no longer has a fossil fuel vehicle. It will be all electric vehicles. This is all by 2030, by the way. Uh, they're going to replace all gas stations with electric charging stations by 2030. They're, uh, they're going to institute uh, modern public transportation, including a high-speed rail, by 2030. 
They're going to weatherize all homes. Uh, later in this plan, he actually talks about how they will replace all mobile homes with uh, energy-efficient modular homes provided by the government. Hmm. So the that's what we really needed. You know, that whole time I spent in the trailer park, it would have been better if it would have been a government-ran trailer park. That would have been way way better. Um, They're going to commit to reducing emissions throughout the world, including providing $200 billion to the Green Climate Fund, and they're going to rejoin the Paris Agreement. So uh, they're going to, yeah, make $200 billion uh, available for other countries to use to be able to do this. Um, They're going to meet and exceed our fair share of global emissions reductions. The United States has for over a century spewed carbon pollution emissions into the atmosphere in order to gain economic standing in the world. Therefore, we have an outsized obligation to help industrialized nations. Now, he talks about how we have contributed more emissions, but one of the things that people miss is what the emissions from from China are. This is actually something that people will talk about a lot. Um, China, and let's just say Asia, has twice the emissions of the U.S., Mexico, and Canada combined, combined, and our emissions have actually been dropping over uh, over the last few years. And um, I think China's, I think over a ten-year period, it had increased by their emissions had increased by a hundred and seventy percent. They actually account for uh, by far the biggest proportion of emissions in the world. And if they don't do anything, then we're not going to be able to fix any kind of problem. Whatever we do is not going to mean anything whatsoever. So they're going to make massive investments in research and development. So they're going to invest in public research and, and all kinds of different R&D to make new innovations. That's what we've been missing. That's what we've been missing so far is the, the government making our innovations for us. Mm-hmm. That's, that's what we've been needing because the private market has not been able to do that at all. Um, let's see. They're going to expand the climate justice movement. There's a climate justice movement, by the way. I don't know if you had joined that movement, Charlie, but it's uh, very... yeah, I didn't go to university, so. <clears throat> oh, okay, okay. I wasn't able to take that class. They're going to make sure that, okay, so just in case you were wondering, this plan is going to pay for itself over a 15-year period. It's going to pay for itself. So. I, saw, I did see that. Yeah. Um, of course it will. By the Actually, way, we're going to make we're going to save a lot of money. It's not going to pay for itself. We're going to save more money. And by the way, none of our current plans are paying for themselves already. We already spend what four and a half trillion dollars every year with government money, mm-hmm. and that doesn't pay for itself. So we're going to increase that by a couple trillion every single year, and and then that is going to pay for itself. They're going to make... Well, real quick, I just want to make a point there because I want everyone to remember in most recent history, the last time the government promised you that not only would the plan pay for itself, but you would actually save money. And the promise was the Affordable Care Act and the average family was going to save $2,500 a year. It was going to go back into your pocket. And if you liked your plan, you could keep your plan. These were all government promises made to you in recent memory, Yeah. by the way. And now health care is so bad, even though the Affordable Care Act was supposed to make it better, it's worse than it ever has been now, That so much so that we need a Medicare for all solution. Because no one's saving any money. Well, the, the government promises all went kaput. And 
if the government lies to you, there's no ramifications. You can't lie to the government, but yeah. they can lie to you. They can make empty promises, say all this is going to happen. And God, I wish I would just could dick up conversations with people from back in the day when I was talking about the Affordable Care Act. And like literally everything we were talking about back then is all coming to fruition. It's literally, we all, we even talked about how it'd be a stepping stone to Medicare for all because that's what they really wanted. And this is exactly, the whole plan is in place. They just step by step, like, okay, well, we can't get Medicare for all, so let's make all these empty promises. It's all going to crash and burn, and then we're going to come in and save the day again. Because people just want some type of hero. Well, with healthcare, it was... Foo Fighters wrote a song about that. They did. They did. Um, With healthcare, what they clearly did was they couldn't get Medicare for all, like you were saying. So what they did was they crafted a law that would make insurance so expensive that the people would have no choice than to pick Medicare for all. They would see no other solution, which is a pretty freaking diabolical evil plan, by the way. You, the people were supposed to save on prescription drugs. They were supposed to save on average doctor's visit. All kinds of stuff were, were promised for the Affordable Care Act. Like, how do we quickly, like, so easily forget that? Well, they just didn't what, have the right people running things. When was it passed? 2012? 2011? 2010, I think. 2010? Nine yeah. years ago. Yeah. That's it. Nine years ago. Yep. Nine. Nine times. Okay. I can't even remember that. You know how they're going to pay for this, Charlie? They're going to make the fossil fuel industry pay for their pollution through litigation, fees, and taxes. Eliminating federal fossil fuel subsidies. Now, wait, I thought that there would be no more fossil fuels. That's, <laughs> that's what by I said. Twenty thirty, there's not going to be any more fossil fuels. So what? Those industries are going to be gone. So. so <laughs> So how are you going to make them pay for this if you're going to actually institute policies that put the companies out of business and make them no longer exist, yet your plan accounts for paying for this by taxing the fossil fuel industries and by reducing or taking away their subsidies? Like, it doesn't make any sense. Well, they've got billions and billions of dollars. I guess so. They're all millionaires and billionaires. And now they're going to generate revenue from the wholesale of energy produced by the regional power marketing authorities. Now, so in this plan, by the way, all power will now be provided by the government. All of the wind farms, the solar farms, and these utilities will all be provided by the government. There won't be any kind of any kind of private market for that whatsoever. Uh, so they said that it was going to be the power marketing authorities, the Tennessee Valley Authority, and then they were going to create another one. Um, so that that's what they're that's what they're going to do. Also, they're going to collect new income tax revenue from the 20 million new jobs that were created in the program. Oh. So, they're going to use federal tax dollars to create 20 million new jobs and how they're going to pay for that is through income tax revenue on those new jobs. So So like, we're going to Here's $16.3 trillion. Yeah. And we're going to go ahead and give that out, and then we're going to take 20% back. And, that, and that's how they're going to pay for <laughs> and it. And that's going to pay for it. Yeah. So that that will be good. They're going to reduce the need for a federal and state safety net spending 
due to the creation of millions of good paying jobs. So there won't be any low paying jobs anymore. The, no. It's going to be all good paying jobs. And this, I guess the welfare state's Pay, going away. That sounds good. Good paying jobs subsidized or paid for by the government who is using money that is taken from other people. I mean, that, taken this, from their good paying jobs. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's, oh, and then, oh, last point making the wealthy and large corporations pay their fair share. That's how that's how they're going to do it. Yes, we don't know what that number is. But how many, it's just fair. How many taxes do corporations pay, Charlie? Zero. Zero. And we don't mean ooh, Amazon paid 0 dollars in income taxes. No, we mean companies don't pay taxes. Their consumers pay taxes. The mm-hmm. people who buy their products pay taxes. Tax is just an expense in the product that they're selling you. Just like anything else, the material cost, the labor cost, the tax, it's all worked into the price that they're that you're paying for something. So businesses don't just pay taxes. That money is worked in to the cost that you pay. So um, that's kind of a general misunderstanding, I guess, with people on this this line of thinking is that you can you can tax people to pay for things, but then you got to think about where that tax money comes from. They think it comes from the wealthy and large corporations, but where does the money that the wealthy and large corporations come from? How do they have that money? They got it from you. From people like you. They got it from you. That's how they have that money. So, Well, okay, so we had this conversation two days ago on this podcast when we talked about climate change. And we talked about this because I had a conversation with some people um, about climate change. Now, here's this is the exact issue that I was getting at is that those out the activists out there who are claiming that this is the greatest catastrophe facing mankind and we only have 11 years before we have like uh damage to the earth the until we reach the point of no return is how they phrase it. Yeah. So we're going to reach a, uh, a global temperature raise of two degrees Celsius, which becomes the point of no return. And that apparently is happening by 2100 somehow. And this is the problem that I was getting at in the conversation we had two days ago. So go back and listen to that podcast from two days ago, and then you can listen to yesterday's episode and then listen to today's and hear me out on this and subscribe. Yes. Subscribe. But hear me out on this is that, we don't even know if the temperatures that are that have been recorded over the last 150 years are even accurate. Number one, we don't even know if they're accurate because the margin of error that they give for that, and go back and listen two days ago when I explained all of this, the margin of error that they give for the temperature rise is bigger than the actual temperature rise that they're claiming. Yeah. So the claim right now, as of the data for, I think it was 2012 or uh, 2015, sorry, I know we're four years ahead of that, but the claim was that the temperature has risen 0.8 degrees Celsius, and that's a problem. But the margin of error that they listed with that 0.8 degrees Celsius was plus or minus 0.98. Yeah. Now, the last time I checked, 0.98 is higher than 0.8. Have you checked today? I mean, it might have changed. I checked just now in my head. Okay. Making sure. And I'm thinking. You went to a public school. I'm helping my son with counting. I actually can count to 20 now. It's pretty impressive for a two and a half year old, I think. I don't know. You guys tell me. <laughs> I I think it is. I'm not a two year old though. And I don't Maybe compare it to some other two year olds. It's probably just normal. Yeah. 
I mean, 20, 20, <laughs> I feels like it's pretty good, yeah. you know, for a little bitty chimpanzee running around. Yeah. But, uh, I, so I, you know, counting with him, I can, you know, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine. So eight comes eight, before nine, nine, it's less. So the margin of error. So this is the problem that I have. I'm not saying, and I've never, I, I well, actually I have, but I've changed my stance on that. I'm not saying that climate change isn't maybe a problem. And I'm also saying, I'm also not saying that humans potentially are adding to this climate change problem. And I'm not saying that we shouldn't do something about it, but here's what happens from insane progressive communists like Bernie Sanders is they propose this unbelievable, radical, progressive, ridiculous agenda you probably got a little bored with Nate listing all the crazy things off because if you look at this plan and go read it for yourselves, it's on its freaking website. Bernie, Bernie lies.com <laughs> yeah. is his website. It's his website. Go read this. <laughs> Bernie lies.com. Bernie Sanders.com. Go read it for yourselves. It's insane. All of the stuff that he's proposing. And if you look at the detail, as Nate just pointed out, every, almost every single one of those, has everything to do with the government controlling more of your life. That's all. That's exactly what it does. And I'm sorry that I'm not going to listen to climate activists tell me how to live my life when they can't live their lives to reflect or to act out what they believe in the first place. That's when I'm not doing it. You, I can't believe you, you busted out the C word on Bernie there. It's like, we're going to put an explicit tag on this, on this, episode what c word communist Co- oh communist man, yeah man going to, bringing out the when people say guns. the c word i see i think of a different <laughs> word <laughs> yeah he's Cap- that too capitalism yeah, yeah. <laughs> um but charlie you didn't take this into account they're going to end greed in the energy system oh okay because they're going to have all of the power generated by publicly owned and managed administrations yeah so there there won't be any more greed so I own it. Yeah. 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 So you don't have to worry about that. You know, it's funny. I get power right now from a co-op. So it's middle, T- middle Tennessee electric. It's yeah, it's, it's customer owned or whatever, <clears throat> but like they have a board and yeah. like a director and people that make decisions that know things about power. Yeah. Like I'm invited to some meeting or whatever. And to entice me to go to that, they're giving away like a 2000, 15 GMC Sierra or something like that. Like a used car. Really? Is that like a clean like, energy car? I, I guess so. I have no idea. I saw, like, hey, come to your meeting because you're an owner in this whatever co-op, even though I still pay a lot of money. Not a lot, actually. I mean, my electricity, I would say it was cheaper than when I lived in Nashville, probably because of taxes and things like that from the well, Nashville. TVA, electric. Tennessee Valley Authority is expensive. Is Very, it? Yeah. They're terrible. It's not that bad. I I pay roughly a hundred bucks a month for my electricity. Well, you're here. with Middle Tennessee. Yeah, Middle Tennessee Electric. I'm Tennessee yeah. Valley Authority. Oh, that's one of the four that he named that is gonna that are gonna take over the whole country's power. Oh, yeah, because yeah. that Tennessee Valley Authority stretches. Further. They're massive. Yeah, yeah really big. Tennessee. Yeah, you don't have NES. <laughs> you're not on Nashville Electric. Oh, service? you know what? We might we might be on NES. I think we had TVA at one point in time, but maybe we use Tennessee Valley Authority for something else. I'm not sure. But the point I'm getting at is that even even though it's whatever, mine is customer-owned as a co-op, right? Uh, they don't do things technically for profit, but I guarantee you the board members make pretty good money. <laughs> well, uh, this idea that we're going to have no greed because it's going to be publicly owned and managed. I mean, you, I mean, just ask yourself, that: how much do you trust politicians 
How much do you trust people who are on public boards? You're telling me that right now there is a there is a room. What's what? Here's the here's what's happening. I know what's happening. There's a bunch of angels sitting on the couch right now, and they're just waiting for Bernie Sanders to pass this plan so they can take over and publicly manage all of the companies. That's right. what it is. Because we're not going to have human beings manage this. No, no, we're yeah. going to have angels manage this that won't be greedy. So, well, ask yourself who's <clears throat> greedy anyway. Everyone. Yes, yeah. everyone. Yeah. Everyone is greedy. And then you put. Uh, massive power in their hands like people in the government have you think corporations have a lot of power but don't go to walmart and buy something today see if they show up at your house to put you in jail okay don't pay your taxes see what happens then see what the two differences are which one has more power that's just that's a just a general experiment yeah just just try those two things try those two things and see what happens um they're also going to by the way uh they're going to build a modern smart grid they're going to build redo the entire electric grid system oh wait so every everything you read off is not that's not it there's more oh I'm, but wait there's more But wait there's more he's got to sell this thing so okay? this is a smart electric grid all okay. of these things but this is in within 10 years this is wow. all within 10 years i don't even think that they could build a new off-ramp on the interstate by my house in 10 years well look i give them kudos for having uh for having this bold imagination plan. Yes. Yeah, it's pretty good. So they're going to redo the entire grid. They're going to electric grid systems going to get completely overhauled. Uh, they're going to make new charging vehicle stations everywhere. It's all going to be underground uh, electric. No more of those annoying poles everywhere. So don't worry. It's going to take them five hundred and twenty-six billion dollars, and they're going to redo the entire electric grid. Um, they're going to weatherize all the homes. Uh, they're going to provide grants. trillion in sliding scale grants for low Mm. and moderate income families. So picture this, by the way, they're going to weather, they're going to weatherize all the homes. And if you can't afford to do that, they're going to provide sliding scale grants to pay for that to happen. So what's going to happen is if you're in the probably regular middle class to upper middle class, not only are you not going to have access to those grants, but you're going to be paying more in taxes so other people can weatherize their homes and you're going to be paying the money to weatherize your home. Hmm. So you're going to pay to weatherize your home and some other people's homes at the same time. And then after all that, you're not supposed to expect any kind of prices to rise on anything. You know, you're not going to expect all of your consumer goods to go up because all the people who have the most money are the ones that are the most productive in our society most of the time. And they all are going to deserve uh, or demand a certain standard of living and they're not just going to take lower incomes and have to pay for all of this stuff. So they're going to demand higher wages because they have all these new things to pay for. And all those higher wages are going to filter down to the bottom. I uh, call that trickle-down taxation. So <laughs> it's a new new term. Yeah. New term. So uh, let's see. They're going to phase out the use of non-sustainable resources. So, oh, they're going to stop the building of nuclear power plants. So you don't have to worry. Even next sentence, he talks about uh, Fukushima and Chernobyl. Um, he is going to see the goal of 100% sustainable energy. We will not rely on any false solutions like nuclear carbon capture and sequestration. Meaning, here's a false solution according, according to the plan. 
Here's what they're doing in te- in Texas right now. I heard Dan Crenshaw talking about this. They have two plants that are that are newer. Uh, they're natural gas plants, but they're providing power. Um, they are actually net zero on emissions because they have these uh, carbon capture systems on them that they can actually. It's like all of the emissions go through a filter, mm-hmm. and they are capturing all the carbon before it goes into the atmosphere. And then they're. He said the carbon can actually be used for all kinds of different things. That there's actually things that we need carbon for. So isn't if, that what your catalytic converter does in your car? Yes. Yeah, yeah I think so. That's why I cut that thing clean off. <laughs> yeah. Get that out of there. Cuz America. Yep. Cut that cut that sucker right off. Um so no no false solutions like nuclear, which is uh no emissions. Carbon capture and sequestration. This is a false solution by the way. Sequestration sequestration meaning the reduction and carbon emissions. Hmm. That's a false solution. Um, let's see. They're going to regulate the dangerous greenhouse gases, and they talk about methane in here. What well, do we okay, need? look, but that uh, just go back for a second, because that right there tells you all you need to know. Like, it literally tells you everything that you need to know about this plant. Yeah. Is that they actually don't care about keeping carbon out of the air. They don't, they don't give two flying fricks about it. Yeah, fracks. Frack, yes, fracking. They there don't you give go. two flying... <clears throat> fracks about it yeah at all and it's it's you know people that have actually come up with a genius idea the private market let's say to say okay you say carbon's bad thing like there's some scientists out there well we'll just trap the carbon and we'll make sure it doesn't go in the atmosphere and then now we can reuse it for other things that's pretty cool it's not going back in the ground it's probably needs some probably needs to go back in the ground somewhere somehow it will eventually yeah it will eventually but but uh this tells you that they just don't even care they just don't care well, you know, this is a, all this is, is a move from big oil to big solar. That's really all it is. Big government. Big government. Bigger government. You you can demonize the big oil companies, the big evil big oil companies. I think in 10 years, I think this is funny, we'll be talking about big wind. Big wind. We got these big wind companies that are out there just price gouging us all the time. Like you're exchanging a free market for a market that you have no control over whatsoever. On a low wind day, they're going to raise the price of <laughs> <laughs> freaking blow wind. <laughs> well, you know, God today hated us, and the wind didn't blow like we expected it. Our predictions were a little off, and uh, the meteorologist said we were going to have 10 mile per hour gust, and we only got eight. And so now the price of your electricity goes up by uh, 10 cents per kilowatt. You end up having like, uh, instead of a, you think about a meteorologist and a weather a weather station, it'll be like a wind station. They'll come on and be like, this weekend, expect to be out of power for at least from 2 p.m. to 4 p.m. when we go through a period of zero to five mile per hour wind gusts. So <laughs> make sure that you bring your candles, everybody, because it's going to be a dead air out there. Or think about so, think about this when, when like a hurricane hits the coast and they get all this extra wind <laughs> and extra power and they're making these record profits. <laughs> But then they don't lower your cost? Yeah. <laughs> You're still going to pay the same amount? <laughs> the biggest issue with this is that we don't have batteries that can store this stuff yet. I mean, these things can produce energy, and you can run your house off of them while it's sunny or well, we while it's really we, windy. We don't have economically but, viable batteries. That's yeah. the problem. I think you'd have to – someone was taught you'd have to build your, your entire house – out of a battery, basically, to be able to store up the energy for when the sun wasn't shining. Mm-hmm. So that, I don't know, that sounds dangerous. I don't want to do that. And expensive, by the way. Really expensive. So um, one of the other things he's going to do, by the way, is create a high-speed rail system. 
they're just going to go ahead and make a high high speed rail system. So, well, good. I want to go back to the battery real quick because I was listening to Tesla. Well, this is probably a couple of months ago when I saw this. He was, they were asking him like, "Hey, do you have a a car that can go more than whatever five hundred miles on a single charge?" He's like, "Oh yeah, we are, we already have the technology. We can we can build a car right now that'll go twelve hundred miles." He's like, "The problem is the battery's too expensive. The car would cost mm. like three hundred thousand dollars." Yeah. So it's, that's that's the problem that we have is that it's too expensive to build the battery. We just need so, to tax the rich people to pay for that. Yeah, thing. yeah, exactly. Obviously, we, you know, we're giving all these oil handouts. We got to give these battery companies handouts. Yeah, they're going to do a vehicle trade-in program. So they're going to provide six hundred and eighty-one billion dollars for low and moderate income families. And oh, small cash businesses. for clunkers. Cash for clunkers. I remember yes. that. That was one. That was W's plan. Once wasn't once, it? No, it was Obama's. Oh, Obama's. Yeah. yeah. So we'll be trading in because here's the thing in 10 years, we're going to be on only electric vehicles. And by the way, a couple paragraphs down, they're going to replace all shipping trucks, all of them, every semi, hmm. every box truck you see, all shipping will be done by electric vehicles. Um, now, I will say on a side note, I kind of want an electric vehicle. It seems kind of cool. Well, I yeah. Like, I, w- I like Teslas. I want all of this stuff. Yes. By the way, except for the government running all the programs. But. I want all of these things. We electric vehicles, yeah. We we probably should have that. We we should. But we need to wait for the technology to be there. You have people like Elon Musk that are creating new technologies like like in the Tesla vehicles where now you can get a Tesla Model 3 for $35,000, something like that. Yeah, and they're coming up with ways to make things cheaper. You know, yeah. kind of like the whole this is what people who are genius level do. Like Elon Musk probably, I mean, I know he says he spends most of his time being an engineer, but he has smart enough people around to say, okay, we, we know that we can do this. Now, how do we make it cheaper? Much like he, much like he did with SpaceX. Yeah. Like, okay, we can get a saddle. We can fly into space. How do we make it cheaper? And then people started coming up with ideas like, okay, well, instead of wasting the rocket, how about we just reuse the rocket? And then not only are we going to reuse the rocket, but let's go a step further. Instead of flying the rocket, like we've talked about before, instead of flying the rocket back to land, because that burns a lot of rocket fuel, we could save a ton of money if we send a boat out into the ocean and we just drop the rocket straight down and we'll land this rocket on a floating boat and then bring it back to shore. And then we can reuse it. And he reduced the cost. This is insane. Reduced the cost of sending a satellite into space from $600 million down to $60 million. And you've talked about this. We've mentioned this so many times, a tenth of the cost. Now imagine what can happen in 10, this is all going to happen in 10 years. Yeah. Imagine what, what, what people at Tesla could do in 10 years by reducing the cost of a battery, by coming up with innovative and efficient ways to create bigger batteries, or not even bigger batteries, but more efficient batteries that can store more energy. What, what can they come up with in 10 years that would drastically reduce the cost of the battery from, let's say, whatever it is, twenty grand, down to five grand. Yeah. And now you have Teslas that cost twenty five thousand, like a regular car, instead of thirty two. Well, and that's the point because we're not just sitting here being anti solution, anti solution, anti every single thing. But there are solutions to these problems, and people are coming up with those solutions. People like Jeff Bezos and Elon Musk, and probably a lot of other people that we don't know about. The government is the worst entity to provide all of this and to innovate all of this. So the next thing he talks about in here is research and development. And just like Charlie was talking about with 
NASA and SpaceX. I mentioned it a couple times in the video on our Facebook today. Um, research and development by the government is not as good as research and development by a profit-seeking company. And that might sound really bad to you because profit kind of just seems like a dirty word. I think people look at profit as an added cost on everything that we purchase. But profit actually makes everything cheaper. The profit motive inside of any kind of industry actually leads to more and more innovations, which we've seen time and time again, all the time. Look at NASA and SpaceX. NASA was doing this for almost 70 years, sending stuff into space. And then SpaceX comes in with a profit motive and completely innovates the way that we do these things. And not only did they have a profit motive to innovate all of this, but they reduced the cost of sending it from 600 million down to 60 million. So profit saved money. And that that is something that people really, really miss that I want to hammer home on. Like, if you want all of these things, if you really care about all of this stuff, then you need to leave this money in the hands of productive, creative people, not the government. Here's a practical question. Is trading your labor for money, so people who work a regular job, is that not profit? Yeah. Yeah, it is. You're profiting so, off your time. So I have a question for everyone out there. Um, have you ever been offered a raise from a company and you turn it down because you're like, mm, I've got enough profit for my home. Yeah. <clears throat> we can do everything we want and I've got enough food and I have a decent house. Yeah, I don't really need the raise, boss. You're good. <clears throat> yep, we're good. I don't understand the fallacy here where it's like, you wanting a raise at your job or wanting to get paid more for what you do or whatever, which is great. I, you should get paid as much as you possibly can for anything that you do. I don't care if it's playing chess or scrubbing toilets or whatever, be the best possible toilet scrubber that you can be and find the place that's going to pay you the most because you're the best at what you do. I have no problem with that, but I don't understand how it's greedy for an organization for a company to want to, make as to take home as much as they want as much as they can and it's not greedy for you to do it i don't understand that disconnect it's it's another layer deeper than that you can think about imagine you're at a job where you know that you're going to be imagine you're at a job where you know that you're going to be getting paid the same amount of money regardless of the work that you put in and you could even take this as a government job look at Look at a lot of uh, teachers, you know, a lot of teachers are really good and they really care. A lot of them are just riding out the years because their salary goes up and up with the amount of years that they've been teaching. It, it has to. So you can look at a, a few things that the government does where they, they put you on. Eh, it doesn't really matter your production. Uh, it just matters how long you've been here. You're, it's going to be a fixed amount that you're going to get paid. It's not it's not a free market, but and then you never get fired. Yeah. And you, and it's almost impossible to fire someone who Unless works for like the government anyway. Break the law. So there's no incentive to ever get, to ever get better. And you can look at that as an innovation that I'm talking about in these companies where if you're at a job and you know that if you increase your skill, your skills, you increase them skills, increase them skills, babe. If you increase your skills and you just keep working harder and harder, you increase your productivity, you, uh, you know, just do a better job than everyone else around that you find new ways to be more efficient at your job that you can actually keep increasing your income, the more and more productive you are. And so you have an incentive 
to get better all the time. And whereas when you have a fixed amount of money, there really isn't an incentive to get better. And when there's no profit motive, there's no incentive to get better. And so that's the difference between the government doing research and development and a private company who's trying to make money doing research and development. You want that profit motive in there. In the, in the Soviet Union, a car cost three times as much money as it did in the United States, even though profit was illegal. You could not make a, there was no profit on a car, but it cost three times more to make. And that's because there was no incentive for them to innovate and to be efficient. When you, re, when you remove the profit motive, you remove all of the human incentive to be innovative and creative. Nate, so, I have to tell you something. Yeah. Your lisp is getting more and more interesting. You think? By the by, the podcast is episodes. It? Is it? Yeah. I got that lisp Ske- filter on here. Skeels. Skeels. That's a new one. Yeah. Is that part of, is that like the lisp disease? I, had I don't another, know much about it. I had another word I was going to go to at that point in time oh. that had, a, that had a, a long I in it. And um, skills. I was gonna go. I was gonna go. I was gonna go to that, but yeah, I, I went away from it. Yeah. So I, that was it. I just wanted to make uh, fun t- of you. Technically, for a in like every other language, an I has an e sound. Yeah. Like almost every other language that there is. So I was just trying to pronounce the word skills properly. <laughs> properly. Yeah. Uh, like so. the uh, like the Italians would. Yeah. You know? Exactly. Skills. I wanted to go back to what you said earlier too about the solutions. We're not anti-solution people. Um, and there's a great meme, uh, the libertarian party posted this. We shared it on our, on our page here. Uh, it's a great little, uh, little couple sentences here that says, I don't oppose expanding access to affordable healthcare or drug costs or anything like that. I want healthcare to be as cheap as possible for everybody. I don't oppose quality education for children. I don't oppose making college more affordable and I don't oppose protecting the environment. We'll even add on here, protecting the environment includes solutions to cli- climate change. Don't oppose any of that. I and we here at Good Morning Liberty, Liberty, see that lisp thing got me. It's catching on. Yeah. <laughs> here at Good Morning Liberty, we simply believe that government is the worst institution to accomplish these goals. We all have the same goals. Yep. We're on the same team. We all want human beings to flourish. Most people would like to see themselves and their families do re- as best as they possibly can. And I'm not, I'm not sitting here. <clears throat> I don't think you and I sit here and we're like, how can we make as much money as we possibly can so no one else can have any? That's, mm-hmm. that's never crossed my mind. That's not, not the last In part. In fact, no. I hate money. Like I, <laughs> I hate money to the fact I didn't grow up with money. And like, I, have you ever taken the Enneagram? We talk about personality tests. Mm-mm. Well, there's an Enneagram personality test, and I'm a seven. So for those of you out there who have taken the Enneagram, I'm a seven, which means that I like to have a good time, and I want everyone to have a good time. And Nate will tell you this. I want everyone. I don't want – I hate money so much because I grew up without it that if anything is ever going on, I don't want everyone, anyone to ever feel like money is a barrier. I will pay your way to go hang out because I want everybody to have fun. I'm not trying to buy friends here, but I will literally – I don't care what it is. We go out and you're like, oh man, I can't go out because I'm, I'm trying to save money. Like, I got you. Like, come on out. We're going to have a good time. We're going to make this experience. I'll pay your way. No big deal. That's because I'm a seven. So it's like, well, that's just my personality. It's just yeah. the way I've always been. And when I was broke, I couldn't really do that. But now that I'm not as broke as I used to be, um, I, 
I try to do that as much as I possibly can. It's almost a flaw because, you know, there are things in life that I don't have that I feel like at this age maybe I should have if I would have saved some more money. <laughs> if you would have been given other people money so right, much. <laughs> right. But at the same time, like it brings me joy. It's a little it's a little selfish because I want I want people to, to hang out and have a good time and I never want money to be a barrier. So it's not like I sit here in my castle, which I don't I live in a townhouse. I don't live in a castle, but it's not like I sit here petting a cat and wondering how I can make all the money in the world as an evil capitalist. So no one else can have any like what we believe in and what we want is we believe in human flourishing to the best possible place we could ever get it. And we've never in human history have ever seen a, a more prosperous humanity ever in the history of humanity than today. Today was the best day in that humanity has ever had. Ever in the history. And what's crazy is if you look at the best places to live in the world, they're all Western cultures built on a simple principle of individual sovereignty. That's what they're built off of. And everything has to derive itself from that. Any other nation in the world that is not built off individual sovereignty is worse, way worse. And we want the exact same things. We want affordable healthcare. We want, we don't want the earth to disappear. So we, if, if climate change is a problem and we don't know if it is exactly yet, uh, if humans are a cause to it, we want these solutions to be fixed. We want people to have affordable drugs like insulin. We want all of these things. We just believe that government is the worst possible institution to control or implement these solutions. And that's what we really believe. Amen. Yeah, that's good. That's good. And I'll just add to that that the re- one of the main reasons, even if you look at Bernie Sanders' plan, it's it's over a ten year period, and some of it is over a thirty year period. But it all requires perfect people being in office for that entire time for that plan to to happen. And even if Bernie Sanders were to win election in 2020 and this plan is instituted and you give this government all this new power and you take in all you raise all these taxes all these things happen you have no guarantee at all that good people are going to be in office four years after that because by that time more than likely bernie sanders would have passed on due to old age so what (laughs) well and even if it does last he only can last he can only be present until 2028 yeah and and so it's dangerous to rely on the government to do these things because you don't know who's going to be in control of the government ever. You, you don't know at all. It requires perfect people in control for a long period of time. And there's all this power, all this tax income, all this massive federal budget and, and complete federal control over the, uh, all the power and re- replacing all the vehicles and replacing all the infrastructure system and replacing all the mobile homes and, replacing all the gas stations with electric charging stations, all these things that you're going to put on the government, and you can't even tell me who's going to be in control of the government next year. That's that's why you can't leave it on them to do this. And you don't know if the next person that gets in power is going to have the same ideology, if they're going to have the same motivation, if they're going to be evil, if they're going to be a good person. You have no clue whatsoever. And don't give that person any power. That's the problem. Everyone who loved Obama... All they were doing was giving Donald Trump power. 
the whole time. They were giving Donald Trump power. And mm-hmm. everyone who loves Donald Trump is giving Bernie Sanders power right now. And everyone who loves Bernie Sanders is giving Donald Trump Jr. power. I don't know. So yep. it, that's the problem. You never know who's going to be in control. Whereas that doesn't matter with a company. It doesn't matter who's in control of it. Most people probably don't know who the CEO of uh, Walmart or Amazon or Kroger, all these people, they probably don't know those people's names and it doesn't matter because they have to provide you with things or you won't go to them and they have to keep you happy or you'll go somewhere else. And that's their motivation. That's not the motivation with the government ever. That is never the motivation with the gov- government at all. They don't care. I think the poll said that something like a uh, Thirty percent of the policies that people want enacted get get enacted all, all the time. That everything else are things that people don't want all the time. So it's it's never good to give them never good to give them this power. And we don't say all this stuff because we hate poor people or we hate change or we uh, you know we just don't care about the environment. We say it because actually all of those are the opposite. We do care about poor people. We do care about the environment. So don't give this to the government to take care of. Let the people take care of it. Because the government doesn't care. No. They don't care about you at all. Nope. Bernie Sanders got his. Spent his life in politics. Hasn't really done anything for anyone ever. And now he's one of the millionaires. (laughs) But he speaks out again. First thing he ever did that wasn't forcefully taking money from other people was write a book. That that was it. Before that, every dollar he ever earned had to be forcefully taken from another person. I wonder so, if he even paid his speechwriter or his book writer I, I a, bet you, a living wage. I bet you the people who bound those books together in the factory did not make near as much money as Bernie Sanders did mm-hmm. off that book. Nope. There's there's no way. The people who made the paper or the ink or any of those things, I bet you he did not care one bit what all those people were getting paid while he made millions of dollars off the book Yep, at, at all. But um, if you guys like that, follow us on Instagram at GoodMorningLiberty. Follow us on Twitter at GoodAMLiberty. Share this show with your friends. Do I think, it. Yeah, you made a Reddit, didn't you? I made a Reddit page today. I if don't any redditors out there. I don't know how to tell you what to do on Reddit, but if you Reddit things, then Reddit us, please. So is it good? Just Good Morning Liberty on Reddit. Yeah, yeah. Good Morning Liberty. Whatever good that morning, does. Good Morning Liberty. So go look us up on Reddit and please tell me how to do that. Um, we don't have a Snapchat. Let's see what we got. A uh, Facebook. If you guys want to look us up on Facebook. So, uh, biggest thing, leave us a rating and a review yes. for us, please. So, do that. Uh, five stars is preferable, although if you can figure out a way to do it, six is even better. So, <laughs> go ahead and go ahead and do that. We're going to give you a bonus star. <laughs> uh, yes, all of that, what Nate said, do it. It's, uh, have you guys ever seen Liar Liar? You know when he tries to make the, the blue pen red? Yeah. And he's like, write it or I'll break it off. <laughs> like, leave us a review or I'll break it off. That's what I feel like. Yeah, you know? do it. I feel like just demand. I'm demanding you. I feel like Bernie Sanders is the one trying to say that the pre- the pen is red. And yes. It's not. Yes. And, okay, why? People, like, I like to know the why, you know? So if somebody tells me, like, hey, leave a rating and review, I'm going to be like, well, why? Let me tell you why. Because... Ratings and reviews, especially on iTunes, which is still the largest platform for podcasts, uh, or Apple Podcasts as they call it now. It's not really, it's not really iTunes anymore. Anyway, none of that matters. What does <laughs> matter is that the reason why we ask you to leave a rating and review is because that will give the show a higher rank 
which means more people can find it. And if you believe in this message, we want more people to find this message. So do it for us, do it for yourself, but do it for us. And if you guys do all that and you go buy a shirt for us from us on goodmorningliberty.us slash shop, then uh, we'll be back here tomorrow and we'll do this again. I hope you guys have a good day and a good morning, Liberty.